Hello! Hello everybody! Hello and welcome, welcome, welcome! I'm glad you could join us. I'm Dan, your friendly fishmonger at dancefish.com. We do this every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Mountain Time. That's 9 Eastern for those that are mountain challenged. And um, glad to have you along for the ride. Bex Fishroom already throwing down a super chat. Thanks, Bex. I saw that you'll be lurking. I'm glad that you could join us and, and thanks for throwing money at us. Super stoked for those pea puffers to arrive tomorrow. They're so cute. They are. And I, I think you're going to like them. So let us know how they how they arrive. But it's a solid batch. Those are a fat and sassy batch of pea puffers. So I think they'll do well for you. Um, so before we get along too far, we're going to start with our shipping report. I'll give you a little update on what's going on at the warehouse. And then we have an exciting giveaway from an anonymous donor. Um which is a $200 gift certificate to dancefish.com. So that's pretty cool. That's uh, that's enough to get a lot of good fish and still have enough left over for shipping. So that is very generous. I want to thank the donor for doing that. Uh, they wish to remain anonymous, so I won't say who they are. Um, but you know who you are, and I just want to say thank you. Thank you, thank you. Um, so shipping report. Almost perfect, but not quite. We had one dwarf green farowella who uh, arrived alive and looked good and then passed away a day or two later. So we did have one that arrived and didn't make it that was reported. Um, everything else, though, seems to have done well. I haven't had any reports. Let me just... Do I have my phone here? Let me just double check. I checked just a little while ago, earlier this afternoon. But um, Johnny knows... Okay, Johnny knows to tell me uh, right before the stream to send me a text to let me know if there's anything like, you know, last minute for the report. And there's not. It's just the green farowella. So dwarf green farowella, really sad because that's a super rare fish that, that's hard to come by. And I've liked them ever since I saw, um, was it Ivan Mikolji who did a little video of them uh, a few years ago? Um, they come, I, I believe they're kind of from the Pantanal region, so basically that big Amazon swamp, uh, if I remember correctly, and uh, I was really intrigued by them, so it was, it was neat to get a batch in. I've enjoyed them a lot, and I'm, I'm really sorry um, that that fish didn't make it for that customer. Um, arrived alive, but didn't, didn't make it long term, so. But besides that, everything looks good, so I think that's the report. Um, let's talk about the giveaway which is pretty awesome. $200 gift certificate to Dan's Fish. And I haven't decided on what the hashtag should be for that. Um, I was going to do anonymous, but then I was like, no, that'll be hard to spell. We'll have a lot of errors. So I was wondering if we could hive mind this. If you guys have some ideas for what the uh, giveaway hashtag should be, go ahead and throw them in, and I'll keep an eye on the chat for a minute or two and see, uh, see if we can come up with something better than anonymous, which I think is really cool, but again, I think there'll be so many spelling errors. So, <laughs> mystery man? Maybe it's mystery man. What's like, there's there's like fairy tales, right? Where people give stuff anonymously, and uh, what, what would that be? Let's see, whodunit, I like it. I, that's it, whodunit, yeah. Except for I don't think people will know how to spell that one either. But I like it. Thanks, Coolio. <laughs> Th 
Thanks, question mark. That's what we're going to do. I think that's what we'll do. Anon is good. Thanks for being awesome. Hashtag tacos. Texas Fish Room. <laughs> Did you mistake me for Corey? <laughs> I'll take it as a compliment. <laughs> hashtag AKA. Hashtag incognito. Incognito might... I think people could spell incognito. Let's do that. Let's do that. JJ. Oh, jeez. Hashtag give punchy fish. I like incognito. I think people could spell incognito. So. Hashtag will be hashtag incognito. Yeah. All right. So here you go. If you'd like to win a $200 gift certificate from Anonymous, then um, not the organization, just an anonymous donor, then to enter hashtag incognito, hashtag I-N-C-O-G-N-I-T-O. It's incog and it's neato. So that'll get you entered to win uh, that generous donor, that generous donor's uh, gift certificate. All right. People got it. It's it's streaming, so that has, that chat is moving. So I think we're good. Alexander Engelhart, thank you so much for your continued support. I, I really really appreciate it. Thanks for being here. Thanks for the super chat. Appreciate you. Um, so the update on the warehouse. I think it'll be best to show it. So a few days ago, I got this far. This is one of two manifolds. There's a lot of tanks, so we need a lot of manifolds. Um, this is the backup system. This is the soft water system. We can use it as a backup, or we can use it for, you know, we could put soft water into a rack if we want soft water. If we have fish in there that we want to breed or something that needs soft water for that reason. And then this is what it looks like up on the wall. So we have our carbon block filters here. No, that doesn't... Well, does that make it not really and then here we have a tankless water heater I installed um, that's that's really the best way to do auto water changes is a tankless water heater if you have a lot of tanks that way you don't run out of hot water this is the pressure gauge so we can make sure that we don't have too much pressure in the system this sticking down here let's see if I can no it doesn't really doesn't really zoom well but that sticking down there that's the temperature gauge this is the mixing valve over here. So hot water goes in, into the mixing valve, cold water does as well. Then it goes to this, this mixing valve to mix the hot and the cold to the right temperature. Here's the temperature gauge so we know what the temperature is. And then this is the solenoid manifold, which then feeds um, water to the different rows of aquariums. So it is basically the same as what I have at my house in the garage just on a larger scale. Now that's just the backup system. The main system uses water from the river, um, filters it, sterilizes it, put it, puts it through the aquariums, filters it, sterilizes it again, cleans it all up, and then returns it to the creek, even cleaner than we took it out of the creek. So um, that's the main system. But since we're still waiting for the microbubble remover to get installed and uh, all set up for that, which is a big piece of the system we need to run the water from the creek so we can gas the water off before it reaches the aquariums. Um, still waiting on that, so I'm installing this kind of backup system, which is great. That way if there's ever an issue and we have to shut down the front system, 
we can continue to re to run. So it's it's redundancy for us, and it's soft water. So we get that neat mix where um, again we we have access to really hard water and really soft water here, which should be amazing for being able to keep different kinds of fish. <laughs> Freshwater dreaming, right temp, put hand in tank, put hand under faucet. Yeah, that's about right. <laughs> Very sophisticated, yeah, that's, that's a tongue twister. All right, so that's really all I have by way of updating and things other than to say that this Friday um, let me make sure that I have that date right where's my phone I think Friday marks the two-week mark from when Rick May brought us some awesome fish but my mind is such a blur with everything that's been going on that I want to make sure I'm not not messing that up okay just give me one second I, I don't even like remember time anymore okay sorry for the bad television I know Okay, here we go. I just have to double check this before I announce this. Because <laughs> my mind just went blank. I'm pretty tired. We had, well, I'll tell you the story of, of why. Okay, yes. So that was the 18th. So yeah, okay, Friday will be the two-week mark. They will be through quarantine um, this Friday. Okay. So let me tell you why I'm so tired first, and then I'll tell you why you should be excited about the fish I'm, I'm about to talk about. So I'm so tired because we had a delayed flight. We were expecting some fish to come uh, Monday afternoon, and we we're all ready for that. And then the flight got bumped. It didn't leave uh, JFK on time. It got on the plane, and then you're, you're checking the tracking, right? It's like, okay, it's been assigned to this flight. Good. On the plane. Oh, good. And then later we got this notification that said, removed from the plane. It's like, oh, crap. <laughs> like, everything's going smooth. Er, no, it's not. So anyway, instead of the uh, being able to get the fish in the afternoon and get them all unpacked and things in a timely manner, they didn't arrive until um, a little after midnight on Monday night. And we didn't get them till I want to say, about 1.30 it's a two-hour drive back, so we get home at about 3.30, and then we have to unpack all the fish. So no sleep pretty much Monday night. And I'm old. I mean, I, I'm some of you have me beat, admittedly, but I'm old. When I was a kid, man, I could, what, I have a paper due tomorrow? I just stay up all night and write it and turn it in and be fine, right? Go to rehearsal the next evening, no problem. But um, now I can't. So I... I'm still recovering from that. So on top of having my normal camera brain, I'm also just like jet lagged. And there's a lot of physical work today. So I spent all day working in the warehouse, up on ladders, climbing through rafters, all that stuff to get, <laughs> get all the, the water system installed, the backup water system, the soft water system, that's what we'll call it. Um, 
So I'm just tired. So anyway, time is like a thing that is hard for me to... I'm like, how long ago was that? Was that yesterday? Was that three years ago? I can't remember. But anyway, that's why I'm a little more dumb than usual today, which is saying something, because I can pr be pretty dumb on the huge. Um, but anyway, Rick May, a couple weeks ago, brought us some amazing fish. Rick breeds and raises the best CPD, Celestial Pearl Danios, or Galaxy Rasbors, if you prefer, that I've ever seen. I've been doing this for years. Uh, they come, they're fat, they're solid, they're sassy, they're great. CPDs are something I love, but I always like bite my nails a little bit when I, when I import them because it's so hit and miss. Sometimes they come in and they're in great shape. Not as good as Rick's, but they, they look good. And other times they come in and they have the pinched bellies and they're emaciated and it's like, oh man, why don't, why don't, why doesn't the supply chain take better care of the fish, right? So I get them from Rick whenever I can because without fail, they're, they're fat, they're sassy. Um, they're bred in the United States and raised. He, he drives them up and hand delivers them to me. So really good CPDs. So if you've been looking for Celestial Pearl Daniels, Rick's are, are the best I've ever, I've ever had. Um, also Orange Venezuelan Corydoras that he bred and raised, as well as Corydoras Stareby, as well as uh, Double Red or is it Orange Flash? Anyway, a really cool epistogram of cockatoides. I think it's the double red or... I'd have to look at exactly which one it is. Again, camera brain and tired, bad combo. But anyway, um, if you've been wanting any of those species or have ever tried them and not had success in the past, I bet Rick's will do well for you. They, they're rock solid. So anyway, those will be released uh, Friday. So not, not a ton of species, but really high quality fish for sure. And the prices are very reasonable for that kind of quality. So that's all that I've got going on in my neck of the woods. So let's find out what's going on with you guys. If you have a question or a comment for me, if you would uh, make it at Dance Fish so it highlights and turns these bright yellow boxes, these bright orange, yellow, <laughs> colors are hard, <laughs> these bright orange boxes are what I look for and they get that way by typing at dance fish or hashtag dance fish no space um, and that's what I'll look for before I do that though I want to thank my moderators for being here and making this chat work uh, managing everything so I can just concentrate on talking to you guys and they can put the ban hammer on anyone that, that misbehaves and I I encourage them to do that I I firmly believe that one percent of the people cause 99 percent of the problems um, and that life's not worth the stress. And that says the volunteer, the uh, moderators are all volunteers. It's got to be fun for them. So be good to the moderators. Don't harass them. Don't make their life hard. Or they have instructions to just ban you. And uh, they have full authority to do so. But on that positive note, let's get to your questions and comments. U.S. Scraper. Any recommendation for caves for breeding my L471s? I have a group of 9 or 10. First of all, awesome. That sounds amazing a nice group of those as far as caves um i don't have any experience raising those so there might be someone here who can uh talk to you more knowledgeably about those but i, I would say it's just more a size thing than anything um they're going to want to squeeze into a little crevice so there's some breeders that are like those uh you know kind of square 
tile caves or some that like the water spikes. I personally, my favorite are kind of the more compact squished down ones because they're really looking for a crevice to squeeze into kind of, right? They like to feel the cave on their top and their bottom and their sides, right? They like to feel that they're in a tight enough space that if they needed to, they could flick out their fins and really and, and puff up their body and really wedge in there if a predator's trying to get them out. So something like that. that that's my only thoughts though. Again, no personal experience actually breeding and raising that species. Um, but in general, that's what plecos are going for. They, they wanna be able to puff up their body and be tight in that space so that they can't get pulled out by a predator basically. But besides that, I don't have much for you. Um, well, another thing with hypencistrus is current can be important. How the current is, like if you have a power head in the tank, um, how the cave is oriented towards that for breeding success can be quite important. And I don't know the optimal angle or, or whatever, but uh, I know that information's out there. So that might be something else to look into, not just what kind of cave, but its orientation with the current. Kelly Foreman, hey, thank you so much for the super chat. My summer tub empire is complete now. I need fish. Do you think you will get in more Miyuki rice fish? They are so cool. I do. Um, I tried ordering them last time and did not receive them. Uh, they are definitely top of my list. Anytime I see them available, I order them. Unless I already have some. But anytime I see them available and I don't already have a good batch, I order them because they're, they're my favorite rice fish as far as the Madaka types go. So I will keep trying. Um, I do plan on next week. So I have some exciting news. So I placed a, a massive order. It's a very, very large order um, of amazing rainbow fish and plecos that will be here towards the end of June if all goes well. Like a lot of money, like, like over $200,000 worth of amazing fish. Um, but that's not going to fill the warehouse. The warehouse has a lot of tanks. So I plan next week on placing another large order from some of my favorite suppliers. Um, and I'm hoping to get rice fish on that order. I'll place it next week. It will arrive the week after that. So we're about two weeks, a week and a half out from that actually landing. And then there's still the two weeks of quarantine. But we are... Um, we're hoping to get that done pretty quick here. But hey, I'm, I'm glad that you like them, Kelly, and I'm glad that you're set up and ready. Freshwater dreaming, does anybody really know what time it is? Does anybody really care about time? <laughs> Have another puff, freshwater. <laughs> Orange cones. Shouldn't the backup system be called the front up system since it's it'll it's first? Yeah, I, I get you. Yep, the backup system will be operational before the front up system. Yep. <laughs> Bob Purcell, how different are the two water sources for your tanks? Very different. So the uh, river source is about 300 parts per million calcium, calcium carbonate hardness. So it's very hard. A lot of calcium carbonate, a lot of buffer capacity. Should do really well for guppies and live bears and, you know, a lot of fish. Um, and then the other water is the water I currently use, same water. And that is, uh, it's our municipal water. And the, 
the carbonate hardness on that ranges from two to three grains GDH, which translates to, I think, 12 to 21 parts per million um, calcium carbonate hardness, which is what I really measure when I'm measuring hardness. Uh, TDS is not that useful to me. I want to know the calcium carbonate hardness. And so um, one is really hard and alkaline, uh, pH of 8-ish, 8 to 8.4 maybe. And the other is uh, very soft and around neutral. I've seen it as low as 6.6 .6 and as high as like 7.2, but that's looking a little test strip. So it kind of really, it's probably around 6.8 to 7, depending on the time of year. So around neutral and soft. So it's going to be a great mix of water. I really like my soft water. Like my whole life, I've dreamed of having soft water because uh, so many fish breed so much better in soft water. And, and when I was doing mostly breeding, that would have been great. But now that I'm doing a lot of um, bringing fish in and quarantining them and, and reselling, basically, it's not as good because when fish have gone through the stress of being of the supply chain to get to me, um, the hard water actually really helps with the recovery. So there's a lot of fish that like hard water and there's a lot of fish that even though they're soft water fish will recover better in hard water because all those salts and electrolytes and minerals will will help them settle in so i'm actually really excited to have hard water again isn't it funny you always want what you don't have the grass is always greener <laughs> john keith gardner can i have tips on raising stir by cories i have four that just had eggs well Rick, are you in here? If so, would you tell John Keith how to raise them? Um, the, the raising of the Corys, I, so it's all about, in my experience, it's all about live food, really. Like success with raising fish fry of almost any kind with consistency and raising large numbers of the batches, not having a, a few survived out of a hundred. No, I want like, like you know, ninety to survive out of a hundred, or a hundred to survive out of a hundred. So, consistently um, raising high percentages of batches of eggs once they're hatched. Um, since the question is about raising, I'll skip the hatching and the egg incubation and stuff for now. Um, the raising really has to do with, for me, live food and clean water. It's those two things. For Corey's, baby brine shrimp's good. Um, it'll get to the bottom enough that they can eat it. And if it's been in there for a little while, it'll kind of sink to the bottom eventually. They'll, they'll eat on baby brine shrimp. Microworms are great because they sink. Those are two good ones. There's others as well. But Basically, if you can keep live food in front of them and change their water, let's say you're a typical person with a full-time job. Then maybe when you wake up, change the water, feed them. I don't know how early you wake up before work, but if it's a couple hours, then right before work, change the water, feed them go to work. If you can get back on your lunch break, change the water, feed them. If not, we, we all get it. <laughs> it's okay. 
When you get home from work, change the water, feed them. When you go to bed, change the water, feed them. Right? It's, it's really that. And when I say change the water, if you're keeping the babies in like, let's say it's just a little plastic like shoebox type container, um, I would dump out all the water I could without having the babies get out, like 90% of the water, um, and then refill it with, with fresh, stabilized, gassed off uh, water from the tap. So clean water from the tap, but that's been stabilized. If you do that, you're keeping food in front of them, you're keeping it clean, they'll grow really quickly. If you don't, it's always gonna be hit and miss. Um, you might have a few survive if you try powdered foods or egg yolk or any of these other things. For almost every fish, it's live food and clean water. Now there are exceptions, like bushy-nosed plecos, right? You, you just want, you can feed them pellets and they'll scrape on those right away. Uh, give them zucchini coins and they'll eat those right away but still it's food in front of them all the time in clean water so it's really no different for the uh store quarries congrats on breeding them and I, I hope that's helpful i really do dan and ken aquatics hello danny and kenny e dan are the epistos still in the tank behind you last time i was there they had a huge spawn of fry yeah they are still there there's still a colony in there um we had a little bit of die off of the plants as you can see like the sword plant died back a bit it's starting to grow grow out now and then all the pogo stem and stellatus octopus got kind of torn up and and stuff so because of that there's less hiding places so less of the fry survive now but the colony's still in there there's still a group in there let's see if we can see one they're a little hard to see here's one above my finger i don't know if he shows up on camera there he is there's a steel blue male right there. Um, and there's there's others in there. I just don't see them at the moment. All right, let's see if we can get the camera back. Back how it was. Because I was looking good. Well, <laughs> as good as a guy like me can look. All right. <laughs> Freshwater dreaming. But are they long fin CPDs? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Now, does that actually exist? I, I don't think that fish exists, but, you know, prove me wrong. U.S. Scraper, any recommend... Oh, I already got that one. Luigi is better. Best font on Luigi. Would you guys ever consider selling more native fish like green and rainbow darters or some sort of hog sucker? I'm having a hard time catching darters in my local creek. Um, yeah, I, I absolutely would if they're legal in my state. I really like orange throat darters a lot. Unfortunately, I think they're um, native to the eastern part of the state, so I'd have to check with my local fish and wildlife guys to see if I could do that or not. Um, I like green darters a lot. Absolutely, I would. Um, the thing about native fish is I keep my water in the high 70s. So at the warehouse, that's what we're going to keep it. 78, 79 degrees. So there are natives that that might be too high of a temperature for. And if that's the case, I can't keep them. But there's also a lot of natives that can take temperatures up there. Um, they're native waters. You can swim in comfortably in the summer, right? So they can get up in the 80s, some of them. Um, but they just have to be able to take that temperature. And I love natives, so I'd be interested. That being said, there's not a great like supply chain for native fish. It's There's like Florida flagfish. There's... Uh, 
a few here and there, some rainbow shiners, um, uh, mega lotus, the longer sunfish you can find commercially. There's a few, and oddly enough, a lot of them that are for sale in the fish trade in the United States are bred and raised in in Asia, like Indonesia and stuff. So um, it's it's funny that to, to get native fish sometimes. They're brought in from Asia. <laughs> um, the red shiner is another, what is that, uh, Lutrensis or something like that. That one's available sometimes. So there's a few, but in general, besides just a few, there's not much in the supply chain um, for native fish. You'd have to go out and catch them yourself or something like that. Or, or I would have to go catch them myself or something like that. So, um, yeah, I like them, though. I'm, I'm a freak for native fish. I really like them. Geek boy, I'll have to drive up with my peacock gudgeons when they grow up. The second batch have been hatching since yesterday, and there are already new eggs in the cave. All right. Yeah, if you could churn out a bunch of peacock gudgeons, that is a fish that I will buy. I like that fish a lot. Kyle C., CPD is going very strong seven months later. They are the real deal. Yeah, I mean, uh, Rick May's CPDs, best I've ever seen. I'm glad yours are doing well. <laughs> Thanks for not making me a liar. <laughs> Actually, Dan, I bought those. and <laughs> I mean, if you did have trouble, though, let us know. But I, I haven't heard any complaints about those CPDs. Tamara Sirois. Sirois? We'll go with that. I cannot wait to get my mini snowballs tomorrow. I got my tracking, and I'm so excited. I'm excited for you. I, I mean, I don't know. Can you do, like, an unboxing reaction video? I... I love it when people unbox the fish and they're excited. Yeah, they're a cool fish. I think you're really going to dig them. By the way, I've been doing an experiment because there's so much trouble with the 471s and the 201s. Um, and there's a lot of times when 201s have been sold as 471s. I'm confident that's not the case here. Uh, the breeder I get them from is very careful about conserv... He's a conservationist in a lot of ways. Um, but I, I've done an experiment. I... There is one that I've had now for over a year. I've just been growing one out to see if it'll grow into the right species. And looking at it, I really do think they're, it's a 471. So doing a little thing on my end just to confirm. Because how horrible would it be if, like, after selling these for a couple years as 471s, we all find out they're 201s. But, I, I, again, I'm confident that's not the case. But I'm, I'm, I've got... Some that are pretty good size now. Well, they're not that big. They don't get that big, but maybe about two inches. And um, it's cool to see them when they kind of adult up. They still got a little growing to do, though, I think. I've only had them for, like I said, maybe about a year. Orange Cones. Planning. Oh, plans a trip to Wyoming to hijack a shipment. Yep. Yeah, well, I mean, hope you have a big truck because. It's a lot of boxes. <laughs> if you came to hijack a shipment, Orange Cones, we'd just put you to work. <laughs> be like, hey, could you put these in tank C1? <laughs> it's over there. <laughs> w. Marion. Any chance you can order Tin Winnie Daniels, Gold Ring Daniels, or Burmese Daniels? I have a dozen but would like more, love more. Beautiful, unique, mild Daniels. Yes, I do plan to bring in uh, Gold Ring Daniels, yes. I call them Tin Winnies, but yeah, all those names, for sure. And they are fantastic. Absolutely. A lot of these... 
So a lot of these fish, um, like the Tinwini Danios um, and the Miyuki rice fish, are on the lists often, but it doesn't mean they always show up. In the Tinwinis, they're often on the list, but sometimes the price point is a little crazy. So two things have to happen. It has to be a good source that I trust. The price point has to be okay that I can resell them at a cost that the market will bear. Um, and they have to actually show up when I do order them. So, But yes, that is one that I like a lot and will bring in again. Max Vera Frank. Hi, Dan. Do you think a keyhole cichlid would be a good centerpiece fish for a 20-gallon long? And will you have them back in stock again anytime soon? Uh, Max, I do think a keyhole would be a good fish for that size tank as a centerpiece fish, yes. And yes, that is one that I, I would be bringing in if I, again, saw a, a group from a source I trusted a price that makes sense and they actually show up. Atakin, is it better to ship fish using tank water or dechlorinated tap water? Not tank water. Um, dechlorinated tap water, but not just dechlorinated, aged, stabilized, gassed off. The water in your tap is very unstable. Uh, whether it comes from a well or a municipality, often the municipality is even more unstable, but when you bring it up from a well or it goes through the municipality system, um, there's all kinds of pressure things that happen. There's all kinds of chemical changes that take place when that water is either brought up and depressurized or comes out of the municipal system and is depressurized. Um, municipal systems add often add lots of things to the water to keep it from eating the damaging the pipes in the system uh, to keep it from being cloudy it allowed chemicals to sterilize it there's all kinds of different chemical cocktails in different ways they'll alter the water often these things don't last forever so these chemicals will dissipate given a little time and they can affect all kinds of parameters in that water so once that comes out of the tap, first off, it probably heats up, unless you're bringing it out hot, but if it does heat up, as it heats up, it'll change its composition. Even if you're doing it through a hot water heater or something, it'll change its composition. It takes a little while for that to stabilize. Um, the depressurization and the, the heating of the water will cause all kinds of gas release in the water, so that's pretty unstable. And then if the municipality added any chemicals to keep the water from damaging the pipes that will dissipate a little bit so what the ideally what you would do is get the water the day before put it in some kind of tank or container with a vigorously bubbling air stone and leave it overnight and then within 12 to 24 hours it should be depending on your source you'd need to kind of get to know your water source but uh, then it's stabilized and gassed off and clean the problem with using tank water, besides the obvious things we can all think about, disease and blah, 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 there's all these things, but the, the thing that I think people don't realize about tank water is it's alive. There are all kinds of bacteria in it and protozoans in it and little microscopic organisms in it, which is fine in the stability of your tank. But when you take a fish in a little bag of water and you put it in there with this cocktail of microorganisms if that box of fish gets warm 
As it travels, those microorganisms will boom in population. If a fish poops in the bag, the bacteria and stuff will feed on that and the population will boom. There's all kinds of scenarios where the populations of microorganisms that exist in your aquarium water can, the, can explode in number when put in a shipping bag. And when that happens, it's bad. A couple things can happen. Number one, they can um, multiply to such numbers that even an organism that is normally not a problem, doesn't cause any harm to the fish, can get to such high numbers that it does infect the fish. And number two, and more likely, is that the populations boom and they're totally benign, they're not attacking the fish, but they're consuming the oxygen in the water. They're depriving the fish from the oxygen in the water. So what you want to do is have clean water that doesn't have these microorganism populations as much as possible, and uh, that way they don't boom as much in the bag in population. So that's Atakin, the, the thoughts behind that. Bob Purcell, is there any concern on shock if you suddenly swap the fish from hard to soft? So yeah, um, there kind of is, although it's limited. So I get fish from all over the world, from all kinds of different water sources. And when I put them in the tank, I float the bag closed up for temperature acclimation if the fish are not struggling for about 10-15 minutes. And then the water in the bag is about the same temperature as the water in the tank. Then I take the fish right out and put them straight in the tank. So if they're coming from hard water, they're going into soft water. And sometimes at other points in my life when I've lived in hard water locations, if they're coming from soft water, they're going straight in hard water. Um, Usually it's not a problem, and I find it a much more effective way to acclimate than the drip and all those other things. So can it happen? Yes. But do I ever see it happen? Very, 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 very rarely. And if, if a bag comes in and it's a different temperature than the aquarium, but the fish are obviously super stressed in there, if there's high ammonia, they're gasping, any of that stuff, then I don't even temperature acclimate them. I get them out of that poison water and put them right in the tank. Um, and I find that that is much better than getting them up to temperature and keeping them in that poison while that happens. So based on the fact that we can take bags of fish from all over the world with all different water parameters and put them right in our tanks and not have problems, I would say that yes, you can have some problems in theory, but in practice I don't really see it. One caveat to that. It's much easier for fish to go from soft water to hard water. It's much harder for fish to go from hard water to soft water. The osmotic stress is increased multiple times going from hard water to soft water. Soft water has a lot, puts a lot more osmotic demand on the fish's system. So that is something to be aware of. But almost all the folks in the United States that are aquarium keepers have hard and probably alkaline water. Maybe if you're in the Pacific Northwest, you might have soft acidic water. Maybe there's a spot in New Jersey. Like there's a few places that have soft water or, and maybe acidic water too. But in general, that's few and far between. So the good news is almost everyone is set up in the scenario where if they order fish, if they're coming from soft water and you're putting them in hard water, that that'll actually kind of be a tonic for fish. One of the things we do when we get fish in and they're really stressed to help them recover, 
is we put salt and electrolytes and minerals in the water. That helps them. So, um, is there concern? Yeah, I guess there, it's something to be aware of, but I, I think it's a lot less of an issue than we hear about often. Aaron Goodfellow, what can I expect to get from a male calico and a super red female? Aaron, I wish I could help you with that, but I have no idea. I've never bred that or researched that, the genetics of that combination. I'm guessing you would get a normal colored pleco, but it's just a guess. Does anyone here know, or if anyone here is like a wizard on bushy-nosed genetics, would you uh, chime in and let Aaron know what to expect from that? I'm guessing you'd expect normal, but I don't know. Tricky question here. Any suggestions for hair algae eaters in a 20-gallon? Also, do you know of any species of fish that are easy to breed and raise in a 30 to 40-gallon? I haven't had any experience with live food yet. Okay. Let's take the easier question first. As far as any species to breed in a 30 to 40-gallon, there's thousands. Um, and if live food is not something you're able to do at the moment, I would suggest starting with live bearers or bushy-nosed plecos, something like that. Anything that has babies that come out big enough and well-developed enough that they're going to more easily be able to eat flake foods and things. Now, I know, I know, I know you can breed egg scatterers and raise them on powdered foods. I know it can work. I just don't think it's the ideal way to do it. So if you're just getting into it and, and aren't hatching brine shrimp or raising microworms or vinegar eels or infusoria or paramecium or green water or whatever yet. Um, I, I would kind of stick with those more well-developed fry. Um, so that's my thought there. As far as hair algae eaters, the reason that's a little bit of a tricky question is because you're in a 20 gallon. If, if you were in a larger tank, I would say Siamese algae eaters are, are pretty darn good. Um, but in a 20 gallon, they're going to grow too big for that. I mean, I guess you could have one, but they're fish that likes to be in groups, and they get, I mean, where are they? <laughs> I've got a couple full-grown ones in here, you'll see. They're, they're every bit four inches, maybe five. Um, so they get big enough, and they're active swimmers that you, you need a large tank for them once they get larger. And by the way, I think they do better in, in larger groups than that. Um, I kind of wish I had more in there so they'd be happier. That's kind of a bad example, only having two in there. I had more, but over the years, they've, they've grown old and died. Um, so I would say in, in a tank that size, since you can't have Siamese algae eaters, um, Florida flagfish are, are good hair algae eater. However, they're aggressive, nippy little buggers, so I don't know what else is in the tank. But they're not going to do well with most other fish species, not long-term. Um, or, or maybe they will, but the odds are that you could have issues. So what I would say to do in a tank like that is remove as much as you can manually. Um, get a toilet brush, stick it in there, twirl it around. A clean one, not one, <laughs> not one that's been used on the bathroom, and uh, or a toothbrush or whatever, um, and that'll get a lot of it out. And then I think a mono shrimp might be the move for a twenty gallon. If you got like several Amano shrimp, that might work for you. Now, if you don't mind scuds, scuds are an amazing algae eater. They would mow that hair algae down pretty quick. Um, so if it's a tank that can 
you can have scuds in and won't they won't instantly be eaten by the fish or whatever. Scuds are the best algae eaters I've ever encountered. But fish will eat them, so if there aren't a lot of hiding spaces and stuff, uh, they might just become fish food. And uh, also, they they can outcompete caridina and neocaridina shrimps and things, so that's something to be aware of. So they're not for every tank, but I love them for algae eaters. Bunny Viper! Hey, Bunny Viper! Hopefully the uh, alkaline-slash-acid... Uh, high school dance example last week wasn't too confusing <laughs> hopefully that worked for your mom <laughs> I thought of it later that night and I was like oh I could have explained that so much better um, I was just having fun with it though um, if you had to change water like the rest of us oh yes I don't change water no no Nigel um, would you prefer to do a large water change or 10 to 20% more often what's your personal belief the way I would generally do it is 30 to 50% uh, around once a week when I was doing it that's how I did it now if you're putting water straight in from the tap maybe that large of a water change isn't good especially if you're not gassing off and stabilizing the water first. Um, I mean, sometimes when I did discus, I would change the water once to twice a day, like 90%. But in general, like a normal tank with normal fish, uh, 30 to 50% uh, once every week is about what I would do. Now, if I was in a situation where I was using a python or something and it was hooked up to my sink and the way I filled my, my tank was just straight from the tap, then I would say that smaller water changes more often is the way to go because then you're not putting in unstable water in such high quantities that you can you're, you're less likely to have problems if you dump a whole bunch of unstable water in there you don't always have problems but one day you will unpredictably U.S. Scraper, your Morgunda video helped me spawn and raise my Morgunda. Oh, I don't even know the species. Adspersa. Hey, I'm glad to hear it. Um, those videos are, I don't know, the stuff I like to do, people don't necessarily like to watch. Oh, yeah, look at that one. Adspersa. That's a cool, and look at this gudgeon, folks. Ooh, look at that picture. Man, Aquarium Glassier knows how to take a picture. Look at that. They caught all the rainbow highlights on the side. Dang them. They make that fish look good. Anyway, congratulations, and I'm glad that it worked. Um, yeah, that's a case where you put a ton of work into a video, and then, like, not that many people watch it. It's kind of a bummer. But I get it. Like, gudgeons aren't the most popular fish, so I get it. But um, anyway, whether it's popular or not, I'm glad it helped you, U.S. Scraper, and May you have many happy spawns of your Morgunda. Stephen Marvin, is it hard to find black rice fish? Not, not for the last few weeks. Um, they're they're on several lists right now and have been for a few weeks. Um, I haven't brought any in because, unfortunately, that particular list or those lists haven't had enough species that I wanted to bring in to make it worth doing an order from them because I have to bring in pretty good quantities of fish when I place an order. So sometimes there's like, it kills me every time when this happens. Sometimes there's like an amazing fish that a, a supplier has and I'm like, yes, 
And then I go through the rest of the list and I just can't find other fish to complement that order so I can get enough uh, volume of fish to make the order worth it. Because when you're doing things, uh, my business model anyway, you have to do things that kind of, there's a higher scale of fish you have to bring in. But yeah, they're around, like several suppliers have them and have for a few weeks. That being said, though, I've only seen them on lists sporadically before. Now, one thing I do want to say, and I'm not saying this will happen, but was it a year ago? I think it was last year about this time. I did order them. I wanted to bring them in. Um, and what I got was, like, very disappointing. It was, it was, it almost looked like a sorted rice fish. You had all kinds of different colors. Some were more sparkly than others. But the general theme was kind of like a, a blah-mottled brown. Um, so I'm not saying they'll all be like that. Maybe I got an unscrupulous supplier who was just like, oh, we're out of blacks. Uh, we got this crap, though, and they threw it in the bag for me. <laughs> like, I don't know. But uh, it was a disappointment. I, I did order blacks before, and no fue bueno. Chonsworth, good to see you, Chonsworth. Hello. Kind of a crowdsource question. Any recommendations for plants that are good in a river or hill stream setup? Folks, would you all chime in and answer uh, Chonsworth's question? Because I know almost nothing about plants. I, I mean, something that's hard to tear off its rock or its wood or its... Something rooted might be more, more difficult, right? But... Maybe Anubius or Java Fern or Java Moss, stuff like that, because you could wrap it to the wood and maybe keep it in a different tank until it really adheres and then move it to the Hillstream tank. Chonsworth, that is my total newbie, know-nothing-about-plants thought. Other folks will be able to help you better, I think. I'm just such a, a noob about plants. That's how I would try it, but there's probably a better way. And thanks for being here, Chonsworth. It's, it's great to see you. For those that are just joining us, um, there is a $200 giveaway from an anonymous donor, which is very generous for tonight's live stream. And to enter it, it's hashtag incognito. Hashtag I-N-C-O-G-N-I-T-O. -I -I Incog and nito. It's a fun word. <laughs> There's certain words that are just fun. Fun to say. Mountaintop Puffer Keeper. Hey, Matthew, hope you're doing well. Are internal breeding boxes like this a good way to raise fry? The puffer fry stay in them for water quality and temperature stability. Easier for me to use the whole tank volume. Um, I would say if it's working for you, then yeah, they're a great way to do it. I've never tried them. The, the only ones I've tried are the ones that are, is it Aquion? Where they hang on the tank and they're, they're powered by like air so there's continuous fresh water coming in and going out but um dude if they're working for you and you can raise puffer fry in them then i'd say they must be primo because puffer fry are hard and i hope those are doing well for you your little babies tamara cirrois for some reason cannot get cpds to live you can get ricks to live if you can get other fish to live, 
you can get ricks to live. CPDs, um, and this is true for a lot of fish. A lot of fish that are a problem fish for someone aren't actually a problem. The supply chain's the problem. That fish has just had a rough go of it. But if you can find that fish from a good source, like a local breeder or something like that, I, they'll probably do great for you. And Rick's CPDs have done great for everyone I've sent them to in the past. So um, I think they'll do well for you. So sales pitch aside, I do like Rick and I do like his CPDs. But in general, um, lots of times people will say, I can't keep these alive. And then they'll try a different source and, and they'll find they can. So a lot of times it's a source problem. Anthony B, any interest in hobbyist bred red-breasted dwarf acara? Yes, absolutely. Please send me an email. Inf uh, not info. Duh. Hello at dancefish.com. H-E-L-L-O at dancefish.com. Um, let us know your quantity and what price you would like. We generally pay 25% shipped of what we can charge retail. Pete the Geek, what bottom feeder scavenger would you recommend for a discus tank? Well, if you don't treat them like a scavenger, then uh, corridors, some corridors like it hot. Not not all of them, but some do. Sturby come to mind, and they're so beautiful and so cool. Um, so corridor Sturby might be one. I mean, bushy nose are rock solid. They can take pretty much any temperature. Um, you know, you probably know this, I, I'm sure, Pete, but whatever you do end up doing um, make sure you quarantine a long 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 time before you put those suckers in a discus tank oh, I hate to have you wipe out a tank of big beautiful discus with a bushy nose you know that would just be a bummer so do other folks have any ideas bottom dwelling scavenger that can take high temperatures oh there's several loaches that would be happy in higher temperatures um, that you could look into so maybe check out some loaches not all of them. Some like cool water. Some are too small and will get eaten. But there's some that, that get big enough. All right. Rockin' fish. Hey, good to see you, Dave. Any video plans for your pipe fish? Yes, I've tried a couple times. <laughs> they don't cooperate. So for their own good, they're in a very heavily planted tank. There's, there's wood in there. There's a whole bunch of java fern and a whole bunch of java moss, right? That's just how they like it. And I'll feed them and I'll see them come out and eat and stuff. Every time I get the camera up, they go, nope, and they disappear. So I've tried a few times, Dave. Um, I really want to get a video of them eating and stuff. I got like a tiny snippet, barely, but nothing, nothing worth making a video yet, though. So I'll try. Alexandria Rodriguez. Any chance of getting Pelvicochromus taniatus moliwe, or is it Dehane? Um, I've been looking for ages. Um, I do have... So there is a... So I've been looking for a supplier from the DRC for a while. Um, the guy that used to export out of the Congo no longer does. 
um, hasn't been active since COVID. So um, I've been looking for a long time. I've come across one that looks interesting. It's always a little scary to do a new supplier though, but we're, we're working out a deal to make it so that so I don't send money and just never see fish, right? You know, put put the money in escrow or, or something like that. Um, they, they've been an, amenable to that stuff. So sign number one, that you're not just sending money to the Prince of Nigeria, um, is, well, this is the Democratic Repo Republic of the Congo, but you, you get what I mean. Um, number one, do you have to pay up front before you get any fish? If you do, run away. <laughs> number two are the fish on the list actually fish from that region that you could reasonably expect to be exported um, so, so those things are in place but number three is the tricky one there's been so much instability there and by the way, I'm not sure, is, is Moliwi in the DRC or is that like in Cameroon? Um, I, I'd have to look exactly where that location's from. But in general, getting pelvic acromas and stuff and nanochromas and all that. Um, prices are, are crazy right now. And so I, I'm trying to figure the strategy to do that. And I don't think the time to take a big risk on a new supplier who I've never worked with before to bring in an entire import of expensive fish because nothing from the DRC is cheap. Um, I don't think the time to do that is right when I'm also taking the big risk of this move to the new warehouse. I think I need to get in the warehouse, get fish in there that I know will do well from suppliers I trust, um, get a few cycles of selling through and then I can take a risk on a new seller when there's some like cash flow going and some money in the bank. So I've been drooling over this list and dreaming of it from the DRC and wanting to do it, but it's not the right time. So I guess that's a crazy roundabout way to answer your question that yes, I wanna do that. I can't remember if those exact locations are on that list or not. Um, but it's a tricky time right now. And I, I've been hoping to get an exporter from Cameroon as well. A lot of neat cichlids there, a lot of really neat killifish, some cyprinids, uh, not cyprinids, sorry, some tetras and stuff. Well, some cyprinids too, I would imagine. And I have a friend that went and collected in Cameroon recently, and, and some other folks did, and they did a, a presentation recently where they talked about their experience and I was hoping that they would have met someone or seen an export operation or something they could connect me with, but unfortunately nothing like that exists there right now. There, again, there was a dude that exported from Cameroon, but he hasn't been operational in years that I know of. I haven't been able to get in touch with him for a long time, and I haven't found anyone else. So there are certain parts of the world where the, the either there's so much instability that you never get the supply routes and you know things aren't settled enough for people to be like I'm gonna start a, an operation doing this um, it, that happens that happens frequently so 
There's a lot of places I'm still trying to figure out how to get fish from where I used to be able to, but things have changed. Luigi is better. Do you think Mad Toms will, would do good with pygmy quarries? Like, specifically the least Mad Tom. These guys stay pretty small, but I don't know. Yeah, so I'm familiar with Mad Toms. What I don't know without looking at one is how big its mouth is in comparison to how big a pygmy quarry is. So, temperament-wise, I think they would get along just fine. But, if the Mad Tom's mouth is big enough to suck down a quarry, it's going to try to do it. So, um, But if you can find a quarry big enough that it won't get eaten, then yeah, I, I don't think they'd be a problem. Well, let's think temperature. Mad Tom's like really high flow, and I can't remember if that Mad Tom likes it cool or not. So I guess size and uh, temperature would be the things to think about. Well, and flow rate. W. Marion, I have been basically raising hair algae to feed my scuds, but they are almost done with all I have. They prefer it over anything, but what should I be switching, starting to switch to? They like zucchini. Um, I'll take a zucchini. I'll slice it in half long ways, just so they can get to the flesh without having to get through all that skin. Stick it on a fork, drop it in my culture, and it'll be pretty much gone the next morning. So they eat half a zucchini a day. Um, I'll also occasionally drop in spirulina pellets or even some carnivore pellets, give them a little meat. So I do supplement that with some other things. But their main diet right now is zucchini. Um, You could do other things though, just any scrap vegetables pretty much. Maybe not onions and, you know, that kind of really potent aromatic food, but leftover veggies, I think they would eat almost all of them, especially if they're lightly blanched or something like that. And if you can stick them on a fork so they sink to the bottom, even better. U.S. Scraper, you the best. Man, thank you. Hey, you're welcome. You're welcome. Glad, glad it, I could help. Uh, oh, shoot, I'm trying so hard not to say um. So I got a comment a couple videos ago. It was like, hey, I love your work. Uh, you say um a lot. And I was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> and I'm just noticing the last few minutes how often I've been saying it this stream. Okay, New Mexico Aquatics. What is your opinion for upper temperature ranges for rice fish? Thank you. Oh, they can go high. So rice fish can take it whole, cold, but they can also take it very high. Those breeders in Japan that are keeping them in little patio pots, basically, they they can get over 100 degrees uh, in the summer. Check out Ryo Watanabe, is that how you say his name? Uh, does a video within the last few weeks, I think, of rice fish on patios. And you can see the temperature right there that they get to. So they're a very hardy fish. They get cooler in the winter, but in the summer, they can get pretty hot. Now, I don't keep them at a, over 100 degrees. I like to keep them in the mid-70s, upper 70s, somewhere around there. I've never tried them above 82. Well, I assume we're talking about Madaka-type rice fish. Uh, there are other species of rice fish that come from other locations that like it really hot, like the one from Lake Matano would be very, very happy at 82 degrees. Profundicola, same as well. So, depends on the species of rice fish, but I imagine we're talking about Madaka types. W. Marion, the black rice fish I have are dark in the morning and not so much in the evening. Are these Madakas? 
I believe so. Are they black with a lot of little speckles on them, like glitter type speckles on them? If so, they're probably Madakas. But anyone can d decide to call anything black rice fish. You know, common names aren't good differentiators, so I'm not quite sure, but I would suspect that they are. All right, I'm scrolling up because chat did the jumpity jumps. So just a moment. Here we go. Mountaintop Puffer Keeper. Thank you for the suggestion on the live food live tank talk with Mike Helwig. Yes. Interesting updates to the book. Started my Grindleworm culture uh, to go with the white worms and the earthworms. Awesome. I'm glad it was useful. For those that have missed it, Masai, M-A-S-I, is, is a fish club. And they have a YouTube channel. And Mike Helwig recently did a talk on live food there. And Mike Helwig literally wrote the book on live foods. He, know, he knows what he's talking about. So if you're interested, it's, it's worth a look-see. You know what I think we're going to do? Hey, Bunny Viper, we'll get to you next. I think we're going to do the giveaway now. It's 8.05. Let's do it now. That way everyone that comes in at the very end, just for the giveaway, will get their just desserts. Mwahahaha. All right, so we're going to do it now. This is for $200, a gift certificate to Dance Fish in the amount of $200 generously donated by an anonymous donor, which is just cool. And the winner is Joyce Brown. Joyce, congratulations. Uh, you have two minutes to chime in. Let us know you're here, and then we'll get you uh, some instructions on how to claim your winnings. But you do have to be present to win. And you have two minutes from the time that was drawn to chime in and let us know you're here. Bunny Viper, would Empire Gudgeons benefit from adding some dithers? They're always darting off. Any suggestions on compatible dithers? Thank you. Let's see. Well, normally I would say they'll settle in with time, but you've had those for quite a while. In my experience, Empire Gudgeons, like within a couple weeks associate me with food and start coming to the glass and begging for food. So I haven't had that situation, not long term. I have had it with individuals, when, or with Empire Gudgeons when they're first arrived, but they usually grow out of it pretty quick. But let me think. I do have an Empire Gudgeon right now that is in a tank with other fish and is out and about, but I've also had it a long time, so... I don't know if the dithers helped or if it just settled in. But as far as dithers go, I've been able to keep Empire Gudgeons with pretty much any fish that isn't really aggressive and nothing with really long flowing fins, and they've done fine. So I think the world's your oyster, as long as they're size compatible. And uh, I almost said um, but I didn't. I said uh. <laughs> so, I think it could be lots of different things, Bunny Viper, so maybe throw down a list of five or six fish you think you would like to keep with them, and, and I can tell you if I see any problems with the list. Joyce Brown is here. Joyce, you have won a $200 gift certificate to Dan's Fish. Not too shabby. Thank you again to that anonymous donor who was so generous to do that. Um, so, Joyce, would you send an email to hello at dancefish.com. That's H-E-L-L-O at dancefish.com. And uh, we'll get we'll, we'll make arrangements to, the, to get you that gift certificate. Bad Repo. I wanted to say 
Badre Poe? <laughs> Badre Poe? Bad Repo. Thank you so much for the super chat. What happens if you have both rocks and driftwood in an aquarium? Does the pH stay more stable or does it fluctuate more? It, it depends on the rocks and it depends on the driftwood. So there are types of rocks that can change your pH. Uh, usually it's because they're made of some kind of calcium substance or something like that that's been compressed. So there definitely are rocks that you can put in that will gradually release uh, usually alkaline substances into your aquarium. Sure, hardness into the aquarium. As far as driftwood, most woods have some tannins and things, but it kind of depends on the type of wood and how long it's been soaked for, how old it is. Was it just chopped down and it still has sap in it, or has it been like out in the sun for years dead, just drying out and getting aged? Is it soaked for a day or is it soaked for a year? Like all those things matter. But in general, if you find a piece of wood that's been well aged and soaked for quite a while, it'll be fairly stable. I mean, it can gradually alter your pH, but it'll be very gradual. I mean, maybe you fill the entire tank with nothing but driftwood, it'll be quicker. But as we usually use it, not too bad. And most rocks aren't going to screw with your pH too much. So, um, especially rocks that are for sale in aquarium stores and things like that. But yeah, there are rocks. I mean, rocks are minerals, and there are certain minerals that will gradually disintegrate in the water and change your pH. Luigi is better. Since you have a supplier in Africa, could you possibly be able to get nanocherax? Yeah, I have had nanocherax in the past. Kind of the long, thin or kind of the, the little little tetras. And this one I don't know. Chiloglanus. Let's let's take a field trip and see what this is. Oh, this is a catfish. Well how big does this catfish get? Chiloglanus. I generally don't bring in many catfish. If I do they have to be small and peaceful. These don't look like they get too big. How about you? Oh, <laughs> there we go. How big are you? 10 centimeters? Yeah, that's that's within the size range that I could bring in. I and mean, that's super cool. That looks like one I would want to try. Um, so the answer is maybe. So as far as the nanocharax, isn't there an A in there somewhere? Is it nanotrax or nanocharax? I think it's nanocharax. Let's see here. Go. Um, those I've had in. No, no, Charax. Yeah, okay. And I really like them. Um, I did find them somewhat delicate, but that it, these are the ones I had before the Latifasciatus. I did find them somewhat delicate, but it wasn't a shipment that, that went super well all around, so it could have just been something happened in shipping. But that that's a fish that I do hope to try again someday, yes. Now, Africa is a very big continent, so I don't know which species you're looking for and if they'll be available from the folks that, that I know, but I like those fish as well, yes. Adam Lash, when do you think you'll be able to get CPDs back in stock? Friday, the best in the world. 
bred and raised by Rick May, hand-delivered right here at Dancefish. Mountaintop Puffer Keeper. Those Molawi cribs are nice. I'm working on Pelvicochromis suboculatus. Moanda F1s. Cool. Photos do not do them justice. That sounds awesome. Yeah, I mean, I haven't met a crib or a Pelvicochromis or a Nanochromis or anything that I didn't like. Orange cones. Maybe random arms can hook up an electronic zapper for auto zap you every time you. Mm, he'll just pinch me. It's easier. <laughs> I have to do another giveaway every time I say, mm, no, I go broke. Freshwater dreaming. When you need some fill in, I would send like a dozen of my sunrise mystery snails for giveaway. And purple should be ready in about four months. Hey, thanks, Freshwater Dreaming. That's very kind of you. Um, would, I did it. I said, um, would you reach out to hello at dancefish.com? Just send us a quick email and let us know uh, what you would like to do, and we can get something set up. That sounds awesome. See, I said, um, again. Awesome. Can't help it. Can't say awesome without saying, um. Freshwater Dreaming, already got that one. Bunny Viper, hello my friend. Will you be getting more of that fish Mimika? You can see right through them and neat markings. Yes, Pseudomilgill species of Mimika. I did order those and Polluticolis and... Prof oh, I ordered three really, really super rare species of Pseudomilgills that the guy's going to go catch for me. So, yes, I do have some neat stuff coming. And that's one of them, the Mimika. Ira Nelson, how often do you get African butterfly fish, not the cichlid, right? Gotcha. Thinking of getting my Mothra, I thought you said, I'm thinking of getting my mother a mate. Hmm. Mothra a mate. Great name for an African butterfly fish, Mothra. That's one that whenever I can find them from a good source, I, I bring in. That's one that I like to have in stock all the time. They're awesome. But I don't know when I'll be able to find some again. So I can't really tell you. But I do plan to get them. Marcy SoCal. Marcy SoCal, good to see you. When will the Amazon puffers be ready to go? They they already were released, Marcy, and they sold out super quick. I do have some that I've held back. And so... We do need to do like a re... I need to look at them again. There might be some more that are about ready to go. But I'd have to check. So it's hard, right? So I look at a tank, and I don't always know, are all those fish sold? Like, did someone already order all those? We just haven't shipped them yet? Or are they available or what? So that is a tank that I need to go through and see if we still have any available. So. I think we can do that Friday as well. By Friday, Marcy, if we have any available, they'll be listed by the end of day Friday. And if you want, let me show you a, a trick here. If you want to be notified when they go available, then go to Dance Fish, Puffer, and if you just click right here, this green button, Add to Wish List, now when they are listed for sale again, you'll automatically get an email letting you know that they're available. So that way you won't miss out.
Mile High Pluck goes, Mikey Trevor, hello, how are ya? I hope you're doing well. I haven't forgot about these Pluckos for ya. I just haven't torn the tank down yet. We haven't been able to move into the warehouse yet, but haven't forgot ya. And man, my friend, it's good to see you around. I hope you're doing great. Paul Soltero, snakeskin barbs should make a good dither for the gudgeons. Sure. Sure, snakeskins are awesome. Isaac Cornstubble, will you be getting in any new Epistos anytime soon? I'm after Borelli, Trifoschiata, and a couple of others. I have Borelli on order. I just got two, maybe three more species in on, well, it should have been Monday, but it was Tuesday. So I do have a, a couple more coming up. Uh, not, see here, I don't have Trifoschiata. I do have Borelli. I don't have them. I have them on order. And I have a couple that just came in, but they're, they're a little... It's like the sunsets. I'd have to look up the scientific name. Um, I'd have to look them up. I can't remember their scientific names right now. Wendy, any suggestion for fish that mix people may enjoy? Any suggestions for fish that mix people may enjoy? What's a mix people? I think you're trying to say, any suggest is there a fish mix that people could enjoy? I recently saw Sabwas. Oh, yeah, they're awesome. I already had white clouds. They look great together and get along well. More Sabwas needed will you have. I do like Sabwas a lot. So for those that don't know, I think we're talking about the rummy nose Rasbora. The issue is they really like hard water. And right now I only have soft water. So I, I've tried them a couple times. Haven't found a supplier that... So they'll do okay in soft water, but not if they've been through the meat grinder of the supply chain, right? So I haven't yet found a supplier that has them, that treats them well enough that they'll go through the supply chain and do well in my soft water as they're getting acclimated and things. So I, I have... I tried a couple times decided it wasn't fair to the fish to keep trying and have not tried for quite a while. Now I do have a new supplier that might be worth trying, who, who's done a very good job with different rasboras and things. So maybe I'll try theirs. But I was also kind of waiting for the warehouse when I have hard water to try them again. So yes, I do plan to bring them in. They're one of my favorites. The timing is just not quite right right now. Mitchell Broom, Epistogramma, Atahulapa is the sunset. Yep, there you go. That's one of them that I have. <laughs> and the other one, I forget its name. Bunny Viper agrees that snake skin barbs would be perfect. Awesome. Apollo Blue, 21. Any chance of getting in Nanostomus SBI? I've tried a few times. Um, I think. Let's make sure we're talking about the same pencil fish here. Okay, let's take a field trip. I think we're talking about the like brown powdered one that has its nose pointed up. Yeah. Yeah, I've tried a few times and so far they just have not showed up. I do like them a lot though. So I'll keep trying. But it's a weird industry. You never you order what you order and you never know what you're gonna get. Often you get things you didn't order, or they just short you and stuff doesn't show up. Um, things are seasonal. So right now in South America, for example, it's the start of the rainy season. Well, it's well into the rainy season. And a lot of stuff's flooded. So even if they have certain fish on their list, 
they don't know what they'll actually be able to get to day to day. Like the road could be washed out. So it's, you know, it's always a, a bit of a crapshoot when you order stuff. But I'll keep trying though. I do like that fish a lot. <laughs> what fish don't I like a lot? I know, I know. <laughs> Danny, say that about them all. It's true. Max, Vera Frank, are there any fish at the warehouse? I have a couple fish at the warehouse right now that um, I said um, that I'm I'm using just to make sure that the water's good there, but I don't really have it stocked up at all. So I was trying to experiment. I was trying to see if I slowed down the rate of flow a lot, would I get few enough micro bubbles coming in the tanks that the fish would do okay? And. I did that and the fish did okay, but I could tell it wasn't going to be good long term, so I kind of shut that off. Uh, now I'm going to fire up the, the new system, hopefully tomorrow, hopefully, and then I'll you know, use them to make sure that's all good. But it's not really stocked, I just have a couple fish over there to help me uh, calibrate the system. Marcy SoCal, I've been waiting... I've been on the waiting list for months just checked my email and there is nothing there well, I'm sorry Marcy would you double check that your email is is correct in the system uh, if you go to dancefish.com and go to your account would you make sure we have the correct email address because I'd be I don't know how the system would not have sent an email out to the address it had on file it automatically does that and, and sorry been waiting so long and and then missed out on them I'm sorry that's a bummer but again I think there's a good chance that Friday we'll have some more available and if not within a couple weeks we'll probably have more available Doug Nip any experience or advice on getting killie eggs through mail or online if you can get them from like a killifish breeder in the United States who knows what they're doing it's fine I've tried the mail order from overseas and a couple issues number one it's illegal so just know that you cannot import live fish, their gametes, or, or their viable gametes without an import permit and clearing them through UPS and customs inspections. It's illegal. Knowing that, I've, I've tried it before. I didn't know it was illegal at the time. I know now that I've tried it before. And what they do, in my experience, when you're ordering from overseas, is they put the eggs in a tiny little Ziploc baggie with some peat in it, they stick that in an envelope and they mail it to you. They don't do well. Um, couple things. Number one, the eggs are overdeveloped. When I got them, the eggs have been in the encased too long. And so a few hatched, but they all had crook spines. They just were overdue for hatching. Uh, they had, their incubation period was too long. Well, how do I explain that? The seller had them in the peat too long before they sent them to me, so they didn't do well. But a couple other things are, when they're in an envelope like that, they're not insulated. And when the airplane goes up to 30,000 feet, and they're in this cold cargo hold, it's very cold at 30,000 feet. And these holds are not, not heated, as far as I know. So you get really bad temperature fluctuations on the trip. So in my experience, it did not work. Now, getting them from hobbyists in the United States who will take them and put them in an insulated thing and send them to you or whatever it works fine. But from overseas, it never worked for me. 
Now, Franz Vermoulian, if he's selling eggs, might might know what he's doing. There's there's a few folks that might know what they're doing. But in general, it didn't work. My high plug goes, what is that orange and yellow fish? <laughs> oh, damn you, Mikey Trevor. <laughs> Mike Stambaugh, I see another online retailer selling rainbow snakehead gudgeons. Would that be a gudgeon or a snakehead? Have you ever had that fish? Yeah, yeah, there's snakeheads. I think that Predatory Fins has some right now, if I remember right. Um, but yeah, they're they're a gudgeon. Uh, some of them get really big, or they're called a sleeper gudgeon, and they get big and they're mean. So just be aware of that. But yeah, they're a gudgeon. I mean, I haven't seen them, but generally they're a gudgeon. <laughs> Josh S. Any luck on getting panda loaches? Not yet, Josh. Not yet. But I still like them, and I still want to get them. Ira Nelson. So a couple of my neon tetras are starting acting rather friendly to each other. Heavily planted, but also includes a betta and a 30-gallon established survival possible for the fry. Yeah, if you have enough plants in there and stuff, and there's a way to prevent them from getting sucked up in the filter, you might have a few survive. It's happened before. It, they might not, but you could. Depends on kind of how much plantage there is in there, really. If that tank is like half choked with Java moss, you'll probably get some fry surviving. But if it's a display tank that's aesthetically pleasing and has like, I don't know, a canister filter or something that doesn't have a sponge guarding it or whatever, then, then maybe not so much. Oh, my High Plecos is sincerely asking what these are. I thought you were trolling me. So we get asked that question like all the time, and it's become a joke in the stream during your absence, Mile High, that people just do that to troll me. But these are uh, gold roseline barbs. So they're the, the roseline barb, but the gold morph. And yeah, they're a smoking hot fish. Love them. Don't have any for sale right now. Just sold out last week, I think. But I'll try to get more in. They were on the list. I could have got more in this week. But the problem is they had about doubled in price. And I was like, geez. I already have to charge 45 bucks a piece for them. I couldn't imagine charging 90 Like that, It just doesn't seem like the market would bear that. So I passed. I'm hoping they'll, they'll come back down. Maybe they were bigger, so they charged more. Uh, I don't know exactly, but yeah, I got a little sticker shock. <laughs> That's funny. The one time Mile High Plecos wasn't trolling me, I thought he was. <laughs> Luigi is better. I'm going to the UK in a couple days, and I'd like to... And I'd like to butt some fish there, buy some fish there made in Head Aquatics. How would I bring them back to the country without any problems or deaths? So, Luigi, you have to get an import license first of all. So, they will stop you, um, and you'll have to go through Fish and Wildlife and Customs. And if you don't have an import license, then that could be a big problem. So, that's step number one. And if you're going in a couple days, there's no way you'll get the license in time. So I don't think it'll work out this time. All right. With that, I, with, with that horrible news for Luigi, 
then I'm going to shut this sucker down. Thanks for being here, everybody. I want to thank my moderators first and foremost because they volunteer their time generously every week to be here and help this stream work. So, so thank you so, so much. Everyone that threw money at us, thanks for the super chats. Always appreciated. It's never required, but we are a scrappy little startup company, so every little penny does help. Like, really, anything helps at this time. So it's, it's very much appreciated, and it, it makes an impact. So no matter the size of it, even the small Super Chats, they really make an impact. So thank you sincerely, no matter the size of the donation. I want to thank the anonymous donor who so generously provided a $200 gift certificate to dancefish.com for today's giveaway. That's awesome. You know who you are. Thank you. Um, everyone that's lurking, I'll hail the Lurker Nation. Everyone listening on the replay, hello from the past. And if you're listening on the replay, on the uh, podcast, thanks for listening. Thanks to Michael Melier for making that happen. We will be back, same bat time, same bat channel, next week. Until then, I really hope you guys have a great week. And I hope I have the the warehouse operational enough that I can have some fish in there. <sighs> All right. See ya. Ta-ta.